2020. 2020. What came to your mind? All the memes you may have seen, all the different ways we've used that phrase, especially over the last eight months. You know, sometimes even the thinking of that many years to me now means quite a bit. Uh, it seems like just not too long ago, uh, the year 2000 meant so much to many of us as we were thinking about the transition from the 1900s into the, the 20s and what we might do at midnight on uh, January the 1st, 2000 and how things might change even with computers and Y2K and so forth. But now, wow, it's almost 2021. I have had the pleasure at times to speak at this time of the year, at the end of a year. You know, I'm thankful Wes is getting a good, well-deserved vacation. And for the last 25 years or so, I have been in a position in ministry, not preaching regularly, but often asked to speak at the end of the year, the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the year, because that's when a lot of preachers take their vacation. So a few months ago, Wes asked me to preach uh, this Sunday. And as uh, a month or so ago, as things were getting closer, I began to think, you know, I think I've just about run out of all the themes I can think of for a last Sunday of the year sermon or a, a first Sunday of the year sermon. But of course, there's something very unique about 2020. Not a person on earth today is exempt from the adjustments that we've had to make. No matter where you live, we've all shared with dealing uh, with a worldwide pandemic. Now, we've all found ourselves in different circumstances as we adjust. Uh, we've had uh, different stages of life, certainly depending on how old you are. Uh, you may have made certain adjustments. Uh, the... Uh, makeup of your household, whether you have children or the children going to the school or the children are not going to school and so forth, your job likely has changed. You may have been home now for eight months as opposed to going to an office. So a lot of variables in that way, but we've all been affected by it. But this morning, you're listening and a part of a worship service because the fact you're a Christian. Now you have adjusted as well, not just in all these uh, physical and social and employment atmospheres, but you've adjusted as well with your spiritual life, have you not? How has it affected your spiritual life this last eight months or so? I could be wrong. But all of us would likely have to say that there's been some impact, perhaps positively, but I would imagine all of us to some degree are saying, you know, this has been a difficult year for me spiritually as well, especially because of the adjustments uh, that we've made and the difficulties that we may have faced. And, and if there's any one particular place, I would think it's more true than ever. It's been in our church relationships. It's been the lack of interaction face-to-face -face that we and you 
have found when you enter the church building, the shaking of hands, even the hugging and the participation in groups and so forth and in worship. So when you think about these emotions that you've dealt with and these lack of uh, renewed friendships and these lack of worship experiences, let me ask you what words would you use to describe those feelings? Church this year. I would dare say some of us, or maybe the majority of us, would have to say, you know, this year has been a disappointment in that way. There's been some sadness that I've had to deal with because of what I've missed in regard to my Christian faith and my relationships at church. But you know, when it comes to to tough times, and we're going to get out of these times, we tend to swap stories, don't we? We'll talk about how difficult it was in a certain situation. I've, I'm old enough to remember sitting around uh, people who, set, who lived through the Depression, maybe, or the years of World War II, and talk about how difficult they were. And it's often those stories of, you know, we were so poor. Uh, you may have heard those stories. You know, we were so poor that five or six of the kids always slept in one bed. And then you hear those exaggerated stories of, we were so poor we had to uh, eat cereal with a fork so we could save the milk. And then there was the one I'll never forget is the friend of mine who said, uh, we were so poor we had to eat ketchup sandwiches the hard way without the bread. Now that's, that's what happens when you get in a, a, uh, a time of suffering. These stories can sometimes be exacerbated. And I imagine there'll be some stories that we'll dealt with, you know, and if you want to get into that, I will participate with you and because I have had to deal with it. In fact, when I think of my role even here at McDermott Road, I think about this. What if you're the involvement and missions minister at a church and for seven to eight months suddenly we conclude that the, the best thing for us is, is, is to limit some of our participation and rightly so. But imagine a role of having to connect people, a role of of hoping that uh, uh, we interact and we draw strength from our activity at church, the involvement that we can participate in, and then the last eight months takes place. We've been creative as best we can, but to say things have slowed down a bit is an understatement. Just think of this year. Remember what happened on February 23rd we appointed 19 new deacons at McDermott Road. Now put that into perspective, February 23rd, okay? Two to three weeks later was when we had to uh, really make some adjustments because of the pandemic. And those 19 were added to the current deacons. Now we have 49 deacons. And so these men were ready to to be in place and read 20 people that we were going for the first time to to Haiti. Some of our college and young professional folks, we were leaving in May, and we'd had the money raised, we had the tickets bought, and we had to postpone that trip. April, the first Sunday of April this year, was going to be a 20th anniversary celebration of the McDermott Road Church meeting on this property. We had a reservation back at the Allen event center to have all of us together again, but we had to postpone that activity. 
Nikolai from Estonia was coming here in May for our mission Sunday. So we told Nikolai, just wait till September. We'll have it in September. But you know what happened. We were having 500 folks in all of our services here. And now we are limited in the numbers that we can have. And those are maybe what I shouldn't call swapping stories, but those are things that come to mind, and I'm sure you have your own. Things that have been difficult for you as you've adjusted spiritually uh, to this situation. So this morning I want to ask, what do you do? What do you do? What do I do? Or maybe what should I do? phrase say, would you remember the obvious? Would you remember what is obvious? What's the first verse of the Bible you may ever remember knowing or ever being taught? Or if someone says, would you quote me one verse of the Bible, what is the one verse that you would quote? Do you remember uh, some of you back in the, maybe the 80s, I think it was, maybe into the 90s, uh, in, in a, at a sports game, there was a man I used to call the Rainbow Man because he had an afro with rainbow colors. And somehow he ended up with tickets. It seemed like behind home plate for important games. He ended up behind the uh, uh, field goal when the camera was looking at a field goal, sometimes even at a basketball game behind the basket. And he'd hold up a sign that said John 3.16. Uh, many of us remember seeing that person. I even know of a preacher I, I read about. His name was John Cook, and he changed his name to John 316 Cook. And you can, you can find him on the Internet. In fact, if you Google, if you just Google golden text of the Bible, John 316 is going to be the results that you'll come up with. How did that become our favorite go-to, always remember text of the Bible. Well, I think very simply, even some of the things that have been shared this morning, it tells you exactly what you need to know. In the simplest way, it tells you exactly what you always need to know. And let's break this verse down very quickly and put our life in perspective Today, in tw at the end of 2020, and what it's trying to tell us, John 3, 16, for God, the origin of our salvation, for our salvation, the world, the extent of our salvation, that He gave the action of God for our salvation, his only son. Now, depending on what version you have, uh, I grew up with the King James Version, and it was his only begotten son. Uh, the ESV, I believe, has says his only son. Some versions have his one and only son, which is uh, uh, true to some degree. You know, Brother Bentley here is, is a son of God. Uh, I'm a child of God. But this Greek word you may know is called monogenes, and it means only one of its kind. There's only one son like Jesus Christ. There is no one like him that whosoever, that's the offer, 
believes in Him, that's the requirement, shall not perish, that's the promise, but have everlasting life. That's the hope. All of that packed in to this one verse. Now let me ask, a couple of days ago, did you get, I don't know what to call it, did you get a bum gift? Did you get one that you put away pretty quick? Regifted, hopefully not. Maybe disappointed, but let it ask you something else. Are you bummed about 2020? Are you disappointed, as we already used the word, about 2020? Well, John 3.16 is a verse about a gift that never, ever disappoints. So why do we love this verse? Why should we love this verse even more right now? Well, I want to mention this morning quickly just three simple reasons why it resonates today perhaps like never before in our lives. And number one, our world right now needs a Savior. Our world needs a Savior. This has been a good year in, in some ways, but our thoughts have been turned toward the bad, have they not? Uh, they've been, our thoughts have been about all the wrongs that, that have taken place. Our, 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 some of us feel like our rights have been taken away, depending on who you talk to, and, and the evil that's taken place. And so we're looking for solutions for this year. We're, at, we're saying, here's what we need, or here's what we should have done. The place, you know, we, we need this vaccine. Uh, we've, we've thought we need a new president, depending on who you feel should be there. We need a stimulus check. And so we buy into thinking that these are the things that we're going to have to have to solve the problems that 2020 has brought us. And so our focus has all been about the world. Our focus has been about our country. Our focus has been about my household and what we're able to do and what we're not able to do and the limitations that I have. But brothers and sisters, it's taken away from us the realization of what we need the most, and that is that we need a Savior. You know, Laura and I lived in the Toronto area for a couple of years, and uh, anybody who came to see us wanted to go to Niagara Falls. We saw Niagara Falls way more than we wanted to. And it's my understanding that in the Niagara River, about a mile up, there used to be a sign for the boaters that said, do you have an anchor? And, and right by that sign was another one that said, do you know how to use your anchor? Well, let me ask this morning, simply, in these turbulent times, and these times where you seem as though you're headed to the cliff, and you've almost gotten there, do you have a Savior? Someone to save you from all this? And not just from this, not just from these things that are so packing our mind, but saving us from judgment, saving us from the final judgment. Remember, the verse says that whoever believes should not perish. Now, John is not talking about not dying, that they should not die because we're all going to die. John is talking about being saved from eternal punishment. You know, there are about 250 chapters in the New Testament 
and well over 200 of them have some reference to Jesus coming back, some reference to the judgment, some reference to life eternal. So do you have an anchor? Do you have a Savior? Titus, living in Ephesus, got a letter from Paul. And as I read Titus, there's one verse that almost resonates with me as if this could be the world in which I'm living today. And he describes the type of people that we used to be or the type of people that were around us. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, uh, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days, hating one another. What are the headlines like for us? You know, the virus data that we read is bad. It seems as though it's getting worse. However, our world needs a Savior. Texas needs a Savior. Collin County needs a Savior. I need a Savior. So remember the obvious, first of all. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son for us to have a Savior and eternal life. That should mean more now in the midst of trials and tribulations. That should mean more now to us than ever before. Number one, we need a Savior. And number two, Jesus is that answer. Jesus is the answer. That's a simple phrase again, isn't it? Again, reflecting back on maybe the 70s now or the 60s in particular, uh, bumper stickers were the thing. In fact, cars were at least about a foot wider back then with huge trunks. And you didn't just have one bumper sticker, you had several. And uh, they were kind of our uh, Instagram account. It was kind of our social media back then. And uh, you wouldn't put a bumper sticker on our nice new cars that we have today. One of them was, honk if you love Jesus. Uh, sometimes there was two or three lines of a phrase, but there was one called Jesus is the answer, and you'd see that on a lot of cars. But again, I believe today it has more meaning now than ever before, that Jesus is the answer to the situation I'm finding myself. And He's the answer on so many levels. We've added phrases to the way that we work through life and the way and the people we get our help from. Who's your tutor? Who's your mentor? Who's your teacher? Who's your financial advisor? I hope you're watching now our Wednesday night series that will pick back up next month because Jesus is our teacher in a life interrupted. Because I'm afraid with the isolation that we have put ourselves in, we are getting our answers from a lot of different places. We're looking for our answers on 24-hour news or on talk radio or who we follow on Twitter or the podcast of a certain person that we always call up and watch. You know, great teachers love their students and great teachers love teaching And Jesus taught 
with so many different ways and with so many sometimes simple stories. And this story again, that's so simple yet so familiar to us, is found at the end of Matthew chapter 7. It's the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And here's what Jesus said. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat all because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds beat on the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Have you had any storms in your life? Has the storm come and the wind blown and the rains come and it has beat on your house? What's the real difference between these two men? You may see they both heard the message. Maybe we could say, you know, they both went to church all the time. Maybe they were both in a Bible school class, both hearing the same thing. The difference is only discovered between these two men when the storm comes. And one does not apply what Jesus says. One does not live by what Jesus said. He does not see Jesus in the storm. And that man is called foolish because apparently he's listened to others. The other, why is the answer to this storm? My belief in what Jesus has taught. Do you know somebody today who knows everything? I'm not talking about the 14-year-old in your house. Do you know somebody who really does know everything? You see, Jesus is not right about just only how to forgive. Jesus is not just right about how to treat others. He's not just right about prayer. He's not just right about baptism. The Son of God was given to us to believe in because He is right about everything. The four Gospels are my gift to read about what Jesus has to say about the life that I'm living. And Jesus says, if you'll let me be your life coach... Let me be your personal tutor, your mentor. It will be as though you built your life on what is stable and solid. And when the storm comes, when the virus comes, when unemployment comes, when divorce comes, when cancer comes, when the death of a spouse comes, you can stand on a foundation waiting to go to the cross as just a sidelight for those sideline for those three years. His teaching is not something that's disposable. His teaching is an integral part of what he is to us. The world has a problem. The world needs a savior and Jesus is the answer. And finally, number three, God so loved the world. God so loved 
the world, the extent of the verse, that everyone perishes without Jesus. God so loved the world. His Son is for everyone. Jesus is not just for our church. He's not just for our life group or your family. Jesus was given to the world, and that's what blew the mind of the Jews and the Pharisees. Jesus told them, you may think you know religion, but you do not know my Father's heart because God loved everyone just the same. God loves the religious and the irreligious, the tax collector and the sinner. And if I ask each of you, if you would want something to be different in 2021, I'm sure we'd all chime in and say, yes, I want some things to be different in 2021. I want some things about me. To be. If I could ask for a new passion of all of us in 2021, it's found right here in John 3, 16. God loved the world. He still loves the world. He gave His one-of-a-kind Son for everyone. And this new passion is not about us. I would challenge us to think this new passion for us in 2021 is about the people not yet here. Would you decide to pray for us to open up our attitude and open up our hearts and our doors to greater evangelism? That McDermott Road welcomes more and more people. You know, two weeks from today, I hope you're going to be watching our service because our elders are going to give a a very exciting update to our plans for Brighter Together. The building plan that's going to start this spring. And you'll, what you're going to see in here is exciting, but it's not about the bricks. It's about the people. It's about what the ability of this church is going to be to reach this community. You know, in 2014, Elon Musk uh, opened up and gave the, all his patents to be available to anyone for his uh, battery-powered electric car. Too good not to share. And we now have a vaccine for the virus, and the plan is that it can be for everyone. And so it's great news. It's what everyone needs. But there's another disease that's far, far greater than the coronavirus, and it's much more deadly and it has far worse results. And no one is immune to this disease. John 3.16 calls it perishing. It's called eternal death. It's called eternal punishment. And you know what? There's a cure. There's a cure, and I know the cure. And I have the cure. And I have a Savior, and He's the answer to my sin disease. He's the answer to my grave problem. And I need to share that. I need to put the gospel message into Operation Warp Speed, if I could borrow that language. The blessings of salvation are found when this church is brighter together. And it's done, or can be done, by making decisions to change our attitude towards sharing what this verse is telling us. You remember when the shepherds came to the field... I'm sorry, when the angels came, they said, we have good news. We have good news, which will bring joy 
to all people. We've got good news that of joy for everyone that a Savior is born. The good news that's joyous news for everyone is a Savior is here. A Savior has been born. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So simple, yet so powerful. Remember the obvious. Can you remember this verse for this new year? We need a Savior. I pray that as you look towards this new year, even today, that you may need even this morning to receive that Savior and recognize that He's not been a part of your life, that He's not been the answer to the problems you've been dealing with, or you have not let Him be the answer to those problems. Would you open your hearts and open your minds to this great verse? Would you, as we approach this new year, Eric's got a song we're going to sing as we close. We pray wherever you are. Uh, you'll be blessed today with, with a renewed presence of Jesus in your life. Uh, may God bless you in the coming year. We look forward to uh, more online opportunities and again, uh, opportunities in this building to worship together, uh, we pray in the, in the near future. God bless you. Thank you.